Here at Doxedo Bloom, we're excited about making disciples who impact the city and nations. We hope you enjoy today's message. This past weekend, my wife and I, we celebrated our 10-year wedding anniversary. And to celebrate this and to just treat my wife, uh, I organized a fine dining experience. And uh, we had a very fancy chef that did a six-course meal for us. Uh, it, was, it was a lot of food, uh, but I remember distinctly the second plate that we received, the second course, it was still starters. But when the plate came, uh, I was utterly unimpressed because it was just a whole bunch of leaves, right? So it was basically a sort of a salad with a, a mint oil dressing. I'm not particularly fond of mint oil. And uh, it was a bunch of leaves and asparagus. Uh, I don't like asparagus very much. And uh, then the chef explained uh, to us that, you know, what you should do is uh, take uh, each of the different elements on the plate on one bite, on your fork, and put it in your mouth, and then boom. Th those were his exact words. Uh, I wasn't too excited about this because I believe I'm not a rabbit. I'm not a goat. Therefore, I don't need to eat leaves or plants. I'm a man. I eat meat. And so I was looking forward to six course uh, courses of meat or maybe five you know plates of meat with a bit of dessert at the end uh, but I was then you know just didn't want to embarrass my wife in front of this very fancy uh, chef so I took all of the different elements on the fork put it in my mouth and lo and behold boom it was amazing it was so good I finished the whole plate I even wanted more um, it was really really impressive and not what I expected I thought I knew what was in front of me until I took a proper bite of it. And, uh, and it was amazing. All, the, all, of, all of the different uh, flavors, the, the, the textures, everything in my mouth together. Now, have you ever opened the Bible and uh, you thought you knew a passage of Scripture until you started chewing on it and then boom, you realize that there's something in the Scripture that you never saw before and it just blows your mind. Now, for me, this happened recently, in the last week or two, uh, I was reading about the story of the wise men that brought gifts to Jesus. I heard a sermon on this and I was reading uh, a bit of a, a commentary on this and, and just through this last week, this really blew my mind and I saw that there's so much more in this than what I thought there was in this. Now today I want to invite you to come with me. Let's go deeper into Matthew chapter 2 verses 1 to 12 and discover this meaning of Christmas. What we celebrate in this Christmas or this festive season. We want to rediscover what this is all about. For me, Christmas has always just been about the gifts I receive. It's been about family time. It's been about the, the, the food that we eat. And that's great. I'm going to be celebrating those things again. But it's as if for the first time, the, 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 the significance uh, of Christmas, of this nativity scene we read about in the Bible, um, it just means so much more for me. And my prayer is that the same would be true for you also. And so uh, the story in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 12, I'm not going to read all of it. You can go study that uh, passage uh, on your own. Um, but it's about the wise men 
that bring gifts to Jesus. Now, these wise men, they are also, they were magi. They were like scientists or philosophers. And these were men that understood the sky and they were looking to the sky for, for signs. Um, uh, Daniel, if you think about the, the Old Testament uh, prophet or the book written, Daniel, uh, he was also, he found himself in Babylon and in Persia, and he was also one of the Magi. He was one of these type of uh, uh, wise men, and they served in the courts of the ancient kings. Now, these men, they were also from the east, probably from Babylon or from Persia, and they made their way to Israel because they saw a star, and they interpreted this star as a sign of the king, the king has come, a savior king that was born in Jerusalem. Now, probably they knew this because Daniel, in his time, if you go read the book of Daniel, and this is why this Bible is so amazing. The Old Testament, the New Testament connects perfectly with one another. And this is what Matthew is trying to explain to us and, and show us when he writes the book of Matthew, is to show that Jesus is the promised king. He, he is the planned king uh, of God that was going to come. Now, uh, Daniel uh, actually prophesied that a savior king was going to come in this period of time. In, during the Roman Empire, a savior king was going to be born. And so the wise men understood that, you know, in this time more or less, but they don't know when exactly. And then suddenly there was a star that led them to Jerusalem, led them to Israel. Uh, then they spoke to the, the king uh, in that country, King Herod, and they said that we, we heard and we saw that a king has been born. Now Herod was threatened by this. He called together the, the, the scribes and the, the priest to try and figure out where this king would have been born. And then they find in the book of Micah, book of Micah chapter 5, it is actually prophesied that the king, the, the, the Messiah, was going to be born in Bethlehem. And so the wise men then start traveling to Bethlehem because they were guided by the scriptures, led by a star, um, and then guided by the scriptures. They go to Bethlehem, and the star leads them there, and they find Jesus. They not only find them, but they also recognize who this Jesus is, and they bow down and they worship this Jesus. Now, I think it's, it's, uh, it's quite fascinating that the Old Testament is pointing and showing to this birth of this Savior King, Jesus. Uh, Matthew 2 verses 10 and 11 says, When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And this series that we are busy doing, we are speaking about these three gifts and asking the question, what are the, the significant meaning behind these gifts or the symbolic or spiritual significance of these gifts? And how do they relate to Jesus, who we know is the ultimate gift? Now, last week we spoke about frankincense. Um, and uh, this week we're going to be speaking about myrrh. And next week we're going to be speaking about gold that was given to Jesus. Now, the thing about these gifts, they were also prophetic. You know, just like Daniel uh, foresaw and, and, and he was prophesying and seeing something about what God was going to do in the future, hundreds of years before Jesus even came onto the scene. Just like Micah, hundreds of years before Jesus came, prophesied that this king is going to be, the Savior is going to be born in Bethlehem. In the same way, the, the, these wise men were giving gifts, but these gifts were very prophetic gifts. I don't know if they knew what they were busy doing or if God was just doing his own thing uh, through them, through these gifts. They maybe just thought these 
are normal gifts. But when they gave this gift of gold, it was actually representing that this is a gift worthy uh, or, or fit for a king. You know, gifts or, or gold is actually meant for kings. And so they were actually declaring that this person that was born is a king when they give the gift of gold. When they give the gift of frankincense, and this is what we spoke about last week. Frankincense is incense that was used by the priests when they were interceding for the people on behalf of the people before God. When they were interceding, they, and, and so this gift of frankincense is actually stating that this person that is born is not only a king, he is a priest. And we know that Jesus is the ultimate and the last high priest that made the, the, the last and the ultimate sacrifice once and for all. And so frankincense is declaring that this is not only a king, it is our priest. But then thirdly, it's also myrrh. Now what is myrrh? Myrrh sounds like a, a, a sound that a cat makes, but it's actually this glue type of substance. And um, myrrh is something you actually use to embalm a corpse. It's what you use on dead people just after they've died. And so myrrh is actually representing death. This is a weird gift to give to a baby. I mean, usually you give nappies or toys to a baby. They give myrrh. But in this, it's actually speaking about that this person's death is not going to be a normal death. This person's death is going to be significant. It's going to mean something for us. And we know the gospel teaches us that Jesus' death meant our life, our life eternal. Now, this, the irony actually of these gifts that the wise men are bringing Jesus is that even though they are busy giving gifts, Jesus is actually the gift. The fact that, that they, they're saying we're giving gold to the king, the reality of that story is that we have received a new king in Jesus. They give frankincense, uh, saying something about this, this priestly person that this person will be. But in that is declaring that we have received a priest. So Jesus is the gift. And the same thing with the myrrh. We give a gift, but it's actually receiving his death. And all three of these gifts are actually just pointing to Jesus, who is the ultimate gift. Now, the Bible is full of signs. If you read it from the beginning until the end, you'll see that all of it is connected and all of it is pointing to this King Jesus that has now come, that we are celebrating in this Christmas season. And so just like Micah and just like Daniel, they were pointing and just like these wise men, they were pointing to Jesus as our Savior. There's another prophet with the name Isaiah. And I want to share a bit of, of what he wrote in Isaiah 53, 700 years before Jesus came on the scene. Now, when you read this passage of Scripture, it would be easy for you to think that this passage of Scripture is in the New Testament because it is an explanation of the gospel so clear, but it was actually written 700 years before Jesus was born. Now, imagine for a moment I were to prophesy or guess the score of the Rugby World Cup final 700 years from now. I predict the teams that will be playing, who's going to be scoring the tries, and who, what the final score is going to be. You would be very, very impressed. Now, this is what Isaiah did. Now, the point of this prophet, and also with Micah and Daniel and all of the other signs in the Old Testament, is not that this prophet is special. It's not that these wise men were very special or that Isaiah is special in any way. It's actually just making the point 
that this was God's plan all along. And he was revealing something to these different various prophets so that when Jesus comes, that we would understand that Jesus was not the plan B. It has been God's plan since Genesis so that we could be with him forever. Isaiah 53, listen to this. This is in the Old Testament, 700 years before Jesus arrives. All of us, verse six, 53 verse 6, all of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own. Now this is just reality. No one would disagree with that, right? All of us, you and me, how many times have you said no to the ways of God and decided you want to do things your way, right? I mean, it's the story of Genesis, Adam and Eve saying no to the paths of God, saying, I want to do it my way. That, that's the human sickness, the human illness that we live with. But God has got an answer for this. Listen to the 700 years before Jesus born. Verse six goes on. Yet the Lord laid on him, speaking about the Savior King, laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. I don't know if you recall the story of when Jesus was going to the cross. It says that he was silent. He didn't try to defend himself, but he embraced what his father wanted to do. Isaiah 53 verses 3 to 5 says the following. He was despised and rejected. Despised and rejected by his own people. He, was, he wasn't only the king of the Jews, he's the king of the universe, but the Jews especially. He was, you know, the promised king uh, that, that was born as a Jew. The, the, they knew about him. They, they have all these scriptures, but his own people rejected him and put him on the cross. In many ways, all of us have rejected Jesus and we have despised him. Despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquitted with the deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised. Now, just listen to this. This is explaining what happened on the cross 700 years before he was even born. Look the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God. The religious people of the day looked at Jesus hanging on the cross and they said, this is a punishment from God for his own sin. But the reality is well, it was a punishment from God, but it was a punishment from God on our sin. Jesus was hanging there, taking our sin on him on the cross. A punishment for his own sins, but he was pierced for our rebellion. He was pierced. Remember the nails that they drove in his wrist and in his feet? He was pierced for our rebellion. It should have happened to us. Crushed for our sins. He was beaten. Remember the Roman soldiers beating Jesus with a whip also. Beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. Verse 9. He had done no wrong and had never deceived anyone, but he was buried like a criminal. The cross was, was not something special like it is today. The cross is a, the ultimate sign of a criminal being punished. It's only severe criminals that would be sent to the cross. It was a humiliating type of death that Jesus died. He was 
killed as a criminal. 700 years beforehand, this is what Isaiah explains, this is what the gospel is, that he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. Now, this is an odd detail that is in this prophecy. He was put in a rich man's grave. But do you know that Jesus, after uh, when he was buried, he was buried in Joseph of Arimathea, uh, in his grave. Joseph was a rich man, one of the followers also. And he gave up his own grave, which was a bigger grave. It was a rich man's tomb. He gave that as an offering so that Jesus can be, be buried in there. And it, this is actually something that fulfilled, one of the small details that fulfilled the prophecy 700 years earlier. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible. Listen to this. The gospel, 700 years before Jesus was born, will make it possible for many to be counted righteous, for he will bear all their sins. You see, when these wise men give the gift of myrrh, it is symbolizing this death that Jesus will die, this death that will be so significant that it will be for the forgiveness of our sins. It is symbolizing the fact that this is the Lamb of God, the sacrificial Lamb of God for our sins. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21 says that God made Him who knew no sin to be sin, to be our sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. We receive God's righteousness because He took our sinfulness on Him. New Living Translation puts it this way, For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sins. This gift of myrrh, speaking about this person will be a offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Romans 3 verses 23 to 25. Listen to this. The gospel is not only explained in the New Testament after the life of Jesus. It is explained already in the Old Testament, but now it goes through into the New Testament. Romans 3. Verse 23 to 25 says, For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God in His grace freely makes us right in His sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when He freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed His life, shedding His blood. You see, what sets Christianity apart from any other religion? Think about Islam or Buddhism or Hinduism, even New Age, whatever other religion. What separates Christianity is that we don't have a religious leader that comes just as an example or as a teacher that says, you know, just do things, do life the way that I do it. Jesus does that, but he does so much more than that. He doesn't, we don't have a religious leaders, a leader that comes to show us the way. Jesus comes and he says, I am the way. If you are not in me, there's no hope for you. This is what makes Christianity different, is that we have got a sacrificial lamb. We've got an offering. Our Savior died for us. He didn't come and show us how to live. He died for us. This is what makes it different, because we know that in ourselves we have no hope. And God knew that. The only way that we have got hope is he, if He comes and He makes us a new creation in Christ Jesus. You see, Jesus is the ultimate gift. When it comes to the gifts that the wise men give Jesus, 
It's actually just pointing to Jesus as the ultimate gift, all three of them. You see, Jesus received gold because he is our king. He receives this frankincense because he is the last priest, he is the final priest, the ultimate high priest. And he receives myrrh because he is the sacrificial lamb of God that we receive. You see, this Christmas, I want to I encourage you that when we exchange gifts with one another, may we rem be reminded that Jesus is the ultimate gift that we have received. You see, the thing about this gift is that we have to accept it. It's one thing to, to receive a gift and not to accept it. We have to accept it, just like the wise men. You see, they were led by a star, which is quite odd. I mean, usually that's not the way that, that I hear people come to God, but God can use many ways to lead people to himself. He even uses the stars to lead people to himself. But then they encountered the scriptures and the scriptures led them to Bethlehem. And when they saw Jesus, when they were in front of this Jesus that is the gift, it's not enough to know that he is the gift. You have to accept this gift. You have to bow down and worship this king, this priest, and this sacrificial lamb that is Jesus. And this is exactly what the wise men did. They were led to the lamb of God, but then they bowed down and they worshiped him. And I want to encourage you to do the same. We need to accept this gift. May you accept Jesus as your king, as your priest, and especially as the sacrificial lamb for your sins so that you can be free. May you enjoy this Christmas or this festive season knowing that we have received a great gift. And may this Christmas be all about the gift, Jesus himself. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Make sure that you get connected to this family on mission by joining us at one of our Sunday services.